0: Are you ready for an open discussion with the best of the best and the best of what's next? Welcome to the Spotlight with Tony D'Urso and special VIP co-hosts. Join in on a great conversation today with one of the world's great influencers as they showcase the latest tricks and techniques that made them the game changers they are today. Now, here's Tony D'Urso and
1: his co host and welcome to the spotlight. I'm your host Tony DiRso. I'm an Amazon best-selling author, and I also host the popular podcast Revenue Chat. And joining me today as my co-host is Maura Sweeney, the ambassador of happiness. Hello, Maura.
2: Tony, thank you for having me on, and like you, I'm an author and a podcaster and an international speaker on influence, leadership, and how it takes courage to be truly happy. So I'm so thrilled to be here today, not only with you as a co-host, but also to get to learn more about our fabulous Star in the Spotlight.
1: Yeah, did I score or what? I've got two you great did. people on the show today, and I'm grateful to both of you for joining us today on the Spotlight. And for our audience, you are listening to the Spotlight, where we focus on highlighting Hollywood stars, sports greats, business experts, game changers, best selling authors, and world class CEOs. If you would like to be on the Spotlight, email me at tonydurso.com. At tony, we broadcast every Friday at 1 p.m., so please set your calendar to hear from the world's elite on the Spotlight. And today, we set the stage for the Spotlight interviews by bringing on the renowned leadership speaker, Dov Barron. He's an international speaker for over 30 years, and he's the man with his finger on the pulse of the evolving world of next-generation leadership. And he's one of Inc. Magazine's top 100 leadership speakers and a master storyteller, which I really love his stories. He's a leading authority on authentic leadership, And get this, the founder of Full Monty Leadership and the Authentic Speaker Academy for Leadership. Is that cool or what? He's also a bestselling author of several books with his latest book called Fiercely Loyal. Dov writes for and is also featured in a plethora of top publications. Let's welcome
3: Dov. How are you today? Awesome. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's a pleasure and honor to be here. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Maura. Good to be here. (laughs) Well, Dov, we are
2: so excited, and I'm listening to this. You have a major blockbuster resume. If people listening for the first time wanted to know just one thing that sets you apart from all others in your field, what would that one thing be?
3: That's a great, great question. Point of differentiation. The point of differentiation is that I believe that business and leadership is a way to reconcile your soul.
1: Wow. Oh, that's powerful. Dov is awesome. Your name is spelled for the audience D-O-V, but it's Dov. There we go. Dov, I'd like to know, we'll start from the beginning, please. Could you tell us, how did you get started in your field?
3: Long, long story, but uh, the shortest version of it is I I had businesses in the UK, uh, in Canada, and in Australia. And at the time, I was living in Australia and... um, in one of my businesses had a client, a customer who came in and we would have these amazing philosophical questions. He also was a student of philosophy and of mysticism. And I had studied psychology and quantum physics and metaphysical studies and all these cool things. So we'd have these amazing conversations and we'd get right into it and it'd be fabulous. And uh, one day he came in, he said to me, I'd like you to speak to my people. I'm like, well, who are your people? You know, you know your wife and your kids. Like, no, no, I want you to come and speak to the board. I'm like, well, who are they? He goes, these are the managers. So he owned a national menswear company. And the reason I knew him was because I, he used to make my suits back in the eighties. Um, and so he said, I want you to come in and speak to the, the, my people. And I said, okay, uh, I, I don't think so. I'm not, I'm not a speaker. I don't know why you would want me to speak. So he says, no, I want you to speak. I'm going, how long for? He says, I want you to speak for an hour. <laughs> no, no, no. Are you crazy? Now, of course, that's a warm-up. But said, an hour? I said, no, no, I can't do that. He goes, okay, half an hour. I said, all right, but what on? He goes, anything you want. I go, anything I want? He goes, absolutely anything you want. Okay, um, fine, I guess. And, I go, and he goes, well, I have one condition. I'm thinking, okay, here it comes. And he says, I want you to come looking exactly like this. So this is 1984, so take yourself in the time machine back to 1984, and you may remember the fashions. Even though I had my suits made from him, when I wasn't wearing a suit, I dressed very casually. In 1984, I was in my early 20s. I've been a bodybuilder for more than 40 years, so by then it would already been four years, and when you're a bodybuilder in your early 20s, it kind of went to show off a little bit. Now my wife can't get me to take my shirt off, uh, even though I'm still a bodybuilder, but then it was like, wear a t-shirt that's too tight. Uh, and skin tight jeans and i had hair down to my chest and earrings that looked like you could hang parrots off them wow. and he says my condition is that you show up looking exactly like this so i've got this wild hair it's not even in a ponytail which is what i would wear normally the big earrings the designer stubble the tight tight t-shirt the tight jeans and he says yeah i want you to show up exactly like that. are you sure he goes yeah okay so I get to the gig and as he's explaining, explaining to me, he's standing at the end of a long board table and all these managers are there and they're sitting along to this table. And I put my head in as instructed by him and, he, and I can see these guys looking over at me, giving me what I call the bugger off. It's an English term, the bugger off nod, which is like the head going to the side, like bugger off, you're in the wrong place. <laughs> <laughs> right, so they clearly had no idea who I was and, and, and I just smiled at him and waited and then he said let's introduce our speaker and he, and he brings me up well you know there's a clang as jaws hit the desk and I walk up to the front of the desk and I've honest to God I can tell you I have no idea what I spoke about but I can clearly remember my opening it was in the early 1980s racism was a big issue in Australia at that time with the, with the aboriginal uh, people And I just looked at these guys and I said, put your hand up if you're a racist. Well, you can imagine no hands went up. And I said, put your hand up if you would judge somebody by the color of their skin, the way they dress, or the way they look. And of course, nobody puts their hand up. And I said, you're a bunch of freaking liars. Every single one of you judged me by the way I looked. You decided my intelligence, my worth, and my wealth. And the problem with that is what you don't know is I'm your customer. That's how I met Steve. You guys make my suits and you already judge me. You would have lost a customer. Now at that point, I'm figuring that I've messed the bed up, Um, but I look over at Steve and he looks like he's somebody sliced his face open. He's grinning ear to ear. Clearly he knew what he was doing better than I did. And he was delighted with what happened because it awakened everybody And in that moment, that was the beginning of my speaking career, and particularly about speaking around authenticity and the power of authenticity.
1: What a story. I just love that. I can totally imagine you (laughs) standing up there and being shunned by the audience.
3: Wow. Uh (laughs) And I was crapping myself, let's be clear. I was terrified. It's not like I went up all confident. I didn't. I was terrified.
2: Do you know what makes that story so remarkable from my end, you couldn't see my jaw drop as I'm listening and imagining 1984, is that you really were such an early pioneer of the anti-corporate type maverick. You know, I remember that era and Tony, you know it too, everybody was wearing a suit, everybody was in a box and you shattered the mindsets. We would think, think that today that's normal. You put that 1984, that was shocking and yet how powerful great story
3: well if i may i'd like to give you the last part of that story because you brought it up and that is this i did that gig steve was delighted um a couple of weeks later he came to me and goes hey you know alistair i go yeah he goes he wants you to come speak to his company i'm like cool okay (laughs) and he said i think he's gonna pay you i'm like double cool okay (laughs) so what did i do I'll tell you what I did. I did the most stupid thing you've ever considered. I went and researched speakers. I researched speakers, took a look at what they looked like and how they sounded, and immediately cut off my hair, oh, no. shaved off my beard, <laughs> gave myself the, something that looked like a caterpillar living on top of my lip, <laughs> put on one of my suits, and a, a navy blue suit, white shirt, red tie. I wore the freaking uniform. <laughs> so I had a massive success because I was authentic, and then I second-guessed myself and became inauthentic. And guess what? I died at the second presentation. Terrible. And it took me about two years to even slightly come back. I mean, I continued to speak, but it was never quite as powerful as that first one. And I couldn't work out why. So that this is one of the things I teach people around speaking and around leadership is your authenticity. Uh, it's going to offend some people, but it is your greatest gift. And it's going to offend some people for you to be authentic, but it's going to offend everybody for you to be inauthentic.
1: Wow, I love that. That reminds me of Steve Jobs. I, I hear he would go to, you know, black tie events wearing his jeans and a shirt or a T-shirt or a <laughs> polo shirt. Right. And it was like some people would, anybody else would be turned away and sent, and sent home except for him. And he really set the standard for dressing how he wanted. Mm-hmm. Absolutely amazing. And by the way, for our audience, I consider Dov the Canadian version or edition of Anthony Robbins. And I know there's a great story here of a memorable moment in your career when you met Anthony Robbins and how that started. I would love to hear that, please.
3: Well, thanks. Uh, yeah, I met uh, Tony the first time in 89. I have met him actually subsequently many times. And uh, People have a lot of opinions about Tony, and and uh, I want to be really clear and say up front that I, uh, Tony and I are very different. What we do is very different. What we offer is very different, but I have the utmost respect for him, and I want to tell you that up front before I start. Uh, it was 1988 when I moved to Canada from Australia, and I was here. I'd never heard of this guy called Tony Robbins, and somebody said to me, uh, you should see Tony Robbins. I'm like, Tony who? like, you got to see him. He's coming to Seattle. So like, okay. So I agreed to go, with, and because the premise that they were telling me is, oh, this guy says a lot of things you say. Now, as I said, we have some, some messages that are similar, but our style is actually quite different, and I have the utmost respect for him. But I sat there in, in, in this room, which at the time was about 250 people. Now that would be like Tony wouldn't even show up for that. Uh, but I'm sitting there. <laughs> And my ribs are hurting on either side because each one of them is elbowing me from either side, saying, "See, see," and at the end of the at the end of the presentation, Tony was very kind and very generous, and he said, "If you want to speak to me, I will stay behind and he did. I made sure I was the very last person on purpose because I didn't want to feel the pressure of anybody behind me. I wanted to genuinely speak to the men and, and I stood there, and I patiently waited probably an hour, and then he said to me, "Um no." Tony and I are both master at NLP. And he said, to, he said, uh, he said, how was it for you? And I said, it was outstanding. And so then he asked his NLP question. So how do you feel now? And I said, you want the truth? And he goes, absolutely. And I said, pissed off. <laughs> wow. And Tony just gets <laughs> this huge <laughs> smile on his face. He just gets a huge smile on his face. And he says, tell me why. I said, because I looked you up. I'd never heard of you, but I looked you up. And I said, you made $11 million last year, which would be a terrible year for Tony now. But back then, (laughs) you made $11 million last year. And I'm standing here in a secondhand jacket, and I'm at least as good as you are. Wow. And and Tony smiles at me in his gracious and generous manner and says to me, you know, with his big smile, he says, who's on your team? And I said, I don't play soccer anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Hold on, I'll go back and get my brain from my pocket. And he said, uh, he said, I said, I don't know what you mean. He said, well, did I, did I take your ticket when you came in? He goes, I said, well, of course not. He goes, did I sign you? in?" I go, of course not. He goes, do you think I laid out the chairs? I said, no. He goes, do you think I printed the brochure? I said, I don't think so. He goes, no. He goes, do you think I made the slides? I said, maybe. He goes, no. He goes, each team member did those things. Who's on your team? And I go, I don't have a team. And he goes, that's why you're not successful. Wow. If you want to be successful, you've got to have a team. Now, again, remembering what I said from the previous story, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. It took me about 10 years to learn that lesson. So if you're listening to it and you're hearing it and it resonates with you, don't wait 10 years. (laughs) Get a team. And you know, I know your first excuse, I can't afford one. You're full of crap. Of course you can afford one. You can't afford not to have one because they don't cost you anything. Get the people around you who believe in you, who sub- who care about you, to rally around you and ask them to do something to assist you. And now everybody will do a little bit. And that little bit will begin to form your team. It's vitally important to your success. Tony was very gracious very generous in giving me that gift. I was just a bit thick in how long it took me to get it.
1: What a story. I love that. What insight. Gosh, what a lesson. You can't afford not to have a team if you want nope. to be successful. Absolutely agreed. This is the Spotlight with Tony DiRso and Maura Sweeney as co-host. Just ahead, we're going to chat more about who's on your team, about soul purpose, and later on, Dov gives his best advice for you. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. The Dream Business community wants to help you with your career and business. As you know, jobs can be fickle. Here today, gone tomorrow. And owning a business has its own frailties. Bloomberg says 8 out of 10 entrepreneurs fail in the first 18 months. A Harvard study says 3 out of every 4 venture-backed firms fail, and there's other sources with shocking figures of their own, which all point to one very conclusive point. These are scary times we live in. Let's help you in the dream business community. Yes, you. Let's try to give you the information you need now to boost your career or business, and I'll be there every step of the way helping you along with other experts in many industries. Are you ready for accelerated success? Check it out, the dream business community at TonyDURSO.com slash community. That's TonyDURSO.com slash community. Get the Revenue Chap mobile app for your Android or iPhone. It's free. Download from your cell phone or smart device at TonyDURSO.com slash mobile.
2: This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired.
0: listening to The Spotlight with Tony D'Urso and a special VIP co-host. We'd love to hear from you via email. Be sure to send questions and comments to tony at
1: tonydurso.com. Now, back to The Spotlight. All right, we're back with Tony D'Urso on The Spotlight with Morris Sweeney joining me as co-host. Today's show is with renowned leadership speaker, Dov Baron, and we're chatting about Who's on your team as inspired by Tony Robbins? And just ahead, Peter Mahit gives us the TKO tip of the week. He's the co-author of Killer Business Plan and serves as a professional consultant to multinational firms such as Panasonic, DuPont, Boeing, and government agencies. He delivers a great TKO tip for you later on, so make sure you hear that one. It's really good. And now... Back to the chat.
2: You know, I can see what makes you so relatable, uh, Dove, in that you've got a story that makes everybody feel like, "Uh aha, that's me, or at some level, they can relate. And it's in that relatability that you really get people to come along and on board. That's wonderful. I love that story. And Thank I you. love your advice too, because everybody's <laughs> got, everybody's got people around them that are behind them and that are supporting them. It could be a best friend, a spouse, it could be a neighbor or Facebook friends, correct?
3: Absolutely. And, and we're, you know, you have to remember, this is one of the ways that millennials are so much brighter than we are. I want to say we, I mean, people in my age bracket, uh, and, and that they understand the lie that we believed, they, they see it for what it is. And there's a lie that my generation believed. And the lie was that there's such a thing as the self-made person. That is such complete bullshit. There's no such thing. Every single one of us has had people who have helped us. And if somebody's claiming to be self-made, I don't want anything to do with them. Because what it means is they're egomaniacal. Every one of us needs help. And every one of us can get the help. And it's very important. I did a big post about it yesterday on Facebook, actually, saying, be grateful. Come at life from a place of gratitude. When somebody helps you, be grateful. Don't stop taking their calls. Don't stop responding to them now that you've gotten over the hump. Give praise. Give praise up. Give praise down. If you you leap over the person who helped you, then help them up to the next level. It's vitally important. Nobody does it alone. So,
1: so true. And I really love the point on being grateful because I think That's just so omitted sometimes, but I find that the more one is grateful for what one has, the more success comes because it's sort of like being grateful begets getting more to be more grateful about. It really is very interesting how that works,
3: Dove, You're absolutely right. That's exactly what it is. I think that gratitude is one of the central pieces of being A, a decent human being and B, being an exceptional leader.
2: I totally agree, too. And here I think you've just hit something. You know, there are a lot of leaders out there, Dove, and this is your area of expertise. But think about all the people. They can't wait till they get to that place of, you know, that great position or the place of celebrity. And ordinarily, the very people that worked so hard to get there start dissociating themselves from all the quote unquote little people that helped support them and get them there. And it becomes, you know, it really turns a lot of people into half people in the end. So great advice.
3: Yeah, you've got you've got to stay in gratitude. And, I, and, you know, I think that there's the other side of that. and I want to help people with this because there's going to be people on here right now who have who feel like gratitude is a cliche. And it is every man is dog throws. You got to be grateful around. and It doesn't really do anything. So here's the thing I want you to understand. I want to have a little bit of compassion for you for a moment. And that is this. If you are in a mentality right now of, uh, of trying to survive rather than being in the thrive, and we've all had those moments. I lived there for many, many years. I will tell you, I understand that it's very difficult to be in gratitude. And people say, well, you know, just be grateful for the fact that you can do this or you can, you've got that. Or you've got a roof over your head or whatever it is. I get it. It's difficult because you're, you're weighed down by the anxiety and the stress of whatever it is, and, and particularly if it's financial. And so here's the thing. Find something. And I know that sometimes it's hard. Find something, anything to be grateful for. And I'm going to give you one of the clues that helped me a lot when i couldn't be grateful i had to choose to be generous this was a clue for me if i was if i couldn't be grateful cuz i was so stuck in my survival shit that i i was like you know i just i don't feel like there's anything to be grateful for i also know it's my nature to want to serve so i chose to be generous when i had nothing so i would put my hand in my pocket and i would give a dollar to the homeless person, when I barely had a dollar to spare, I would spend time with somebody who needed the assistance or the guidance when I didn't really, I felt like I needed somebody else's guidance and assistance more than I possibly could give. But when I did that, that was the shift that took me out, flipped me from feeling like I'm in survival to the something I've got to be grateful for. And sometimes all I had to be grateful for was that I had something within me that I didn't know was there until the moment it was required.
1: Wow, very deep. I love that. And you know, that actually hit a chord with me because in my area, there is a growing homeless population. When I first moved in the area, what, five odd years ago where I live now, there were like two, maybe three people kind of homeless living in the Santa Ana River Trail Wash. And over Mm -hmm. a couple of years, hundreds and hundreds of people. And so I organized a, for Christmas, I organized a big drive for them, and the press showed up, hundreds of people showed up, it went viral. It was just Wonderful. absolutely amazing. And and just touch, it's just when you start touching people's lives and helping them with the pure desire just to help, it, first of all, the feeling is like no other, unless absolutely. you do it, unless you do it, you don't know what I'm talking about, because there's, and you hear this, you go, yeah, yeah, I've heard that before. But really, one of the greatest feelings of the world is just to give unconditionally without expecting anything back. It's it's, its, own, it's its own thing. I'm sure there's books and books written about that. And it's just such a great thing. And I love that when you, have, when you don't feel about being grateful about anything or you're not sure what to be grateful about, to just give to someone. I can just see how that just brings the whole flow in there, Dove. That's amazing.
3: I love it. Thanks. Yeah, I think it's really important for us. It's, it's sometimes hard to be grateful, but I promise you, if you give, it will actually give you gratitude. It's exactly the opposite of what it, the logic. The logic does, says that this is crap. This is never going to work. I get it. I understand that. But I'm just going to challenge you that when you feel like you've got nothing to be grateful for, when you feel like you've got nothing to give, find a way to give and watch the gratitude flow. I love it.
1: And I'm going to ask you a question, which may run on a parallel or maybe part of it, but you help individuals and companies all over the world. And one thing you help them do is you help them find the sole purpose. Can you tell us about that and maybe how that relates with this?
3: Yeah, thank you for asking me for that, Tony. It really is important. Um, As I said, my background, uh, just to give you a a bit of a uh, context for this. My background is that uh, when I was a kid, I, like a really little kid, I began to study metaphysical studies. I ended up studying uh, Vedanta, which is Hindu philosophy, uh, Buddhism, the Tao, Gnostic Christianity, and Kabbalah. So I studied all these different religious philosophies and, and was pulled to this idea of the soul. But I will tell you clearly, as you've probably gathered from me, I'm a pretty grounded guy. and got immensely irritated by people who could tell me the color of my aura, but couldn't get a paycheck or hold a relationship together. I mean, the dingleberry woo-woo nonsense drove me nuts, but I loved the spirituality of it. And so I wanted to ground it. I wanted to understand it. And that's part of why I got into the psychology of excellence and leadership and those kinds of things. And the interesting thing for me is they seem to live in diametrically opposed worlds, this soulful place and this business place, but I think we live in an amazing time where those things are being brought together, where there is a reconciliation of these two sides that brings us into business. And so if we we have a process that we walk our clients, whether those are individuals or companies through, to find how does this business reconcile the parts of your soul that are Disenfranchised and bring them home. What is it that you why are you actually in business besides the money? Obviously, you're in business for money, but you have to take that as a foregone conclusion that's part of business. But if you're not in business for something else, A, you'll never be satisfied, and B, today you will never be able to keep your top talent because the millennials who are now 37 years old, so 17 to 37 years old, what number one priority for them is to do meaningful work. Meaningful work means I work with a company who knows their purpose and I can find my purpose in the purpose of the organization. This is vital for keeping your top talent. It's vital for you to get out of bed feeling exhilarated because listen, the feces is gonna hit the fan. That's all there is to it. You can expect that. It's going to happen. And, but if you're not connected, if once you're connected to that soul part, you can shower that off. You can get up and you can go again. But if you don't know what our soul purpose is, you're just going to get buried under the feces and never get out again.
1: This is The Spotlight with Tony Dierso and Maura Sweeney as co-host. Just ahead, we're going to ask the renowned leadership speaker what he's currently working on. Plus, he's going to give us his best advice for you really cool stuff. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. Hey, get in on the biggest thing in energy and earn additional income. Create financial freedom for decades to come. Learn more at tonydurso.com slash P-O-W-U-R. That's tonydurso.com slash P-O-W-U-R. The Dream Business Community wants to help you with your career and business. Are you ready for accelerated success? Check it out. The Dream Business Community at tonydurso.com/community.
2: Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers channel.
0: listening to The Spotlight with Tony D'Urso and a special VIP co-host. We'd love to hear from you via email. Be sure to send questions and comments to tony at
1: tonydurso.com. Now, back to The Spotlight. All right, we're back with Tony D'Urso on The Spotlight with Maura Sweeney, joining me as co-host. Today's show is with the renowned leadership speaker, Dov Barron who's telling us about finding your sole purpose and soon is going to give up his best advice. Later on in the show, Peter Mahit gives us a great TKO tip of the week. So make sure you hear that one. Really good stuff. All right. And now back to the chat about your sole purpose.
2: If I could just jump in, I hear this too. And I'm listening like you, Tony. Wow. And I can see that's exactly right. Why you are a next gen leader on leadership. What advice would you give to someone who's not a millennial, who's Ooh. been running his own deal or her own deal? What do you, what advice do you give to people who are coming out of that old model, which is it's all about business and I see numbers rather than people and I see stuff rather than purpose? What advice could you give someone like that to move forward into this new place of consciousness where business really is and is moving into day by day?
3: thank you for asking this a great question so the first thing i would say to them is stop leading like it's 20 years ago you are going to fail and you can tell me well we're really successful and i go congratulations you have a recipe for failure if you're doing what you used to do it won't work anymore that's number one number two stop looking at millennials as the enemy you may have the best strategy in the world. You may have the best techniques in the world. You may have the best technology in the world. But the implementation of any of those things is going to be done by people. And the millennials are already more than 50% of the workforce. And by 2020, will be 70% of the workforce. So if you bitch, moan, and complain about millennials, you'll have nobody to work for you. So get over it. Get the heck over it now and recognize these people are your resources. And they are awesome. I love millennials. I'm going to tell you why I love millennials. Millennials are baby boomers with balls. That's why. Because when I entered the workforce, I remember, I'm a young baby boomer, but the people who were 10 years older than me were like, man, I'm never going to work for the man. Well, guess what? Now they're all the men. Okay? <laughs> it's true. Now they are the men. Well, guess what? Millennials got. I don't have to work for the men, and they have the balls to say, "Screw you! You treat me poorly. I'm going to start my own thing." Good for you.
1: Wow, I love it. I love it. Duff, could you tell us a little bit, and perhaps that goes in with this because um, I want to also tie in your your book, your latest book, "Fiercely Ooh. Loyal." You've got a way, a method, and you teach corporations on how to keep not only keep their employees, which is very hard to do in this society but to make them fiercely loyal and stay with you in the company no matter what. Can you tell us about that?
3: Absolutely. Thank you for asking. Yeah, The book is called Fiercely Loyal, How High-Performing Companies Develop and Retain Top Talent. And the book came out of, as I said, I've been working with leaders for more than 30 years. But in that work, you know, that was becoming more and more obvious that they just couldn't keep their top talent. And then there was a global study done by Gallup, and it showed that the number one problem facing CEOs was keeping top talent so how do you keep these people and that's so that's your question and as i said number one meaningful work you've got to give them meaningful work they are looking for the meaning of their life and in looking for the meaning of their life they don't have it yet that's okay but they need to attach to something that's meaningful so If you found the the sole purpose of your organization and you are an authentic leader who knows your sole purpose, your chances of keeping them vastly go up. Then on top of that, if you start throwing money at millennials, the way you threw money at Gen X's and boomers to keep them loyal, you'll actually put them off. They go the other way. They do want money, but they only need it to a certain point. They're not motivated enough by it. They're motivated by values. They're motivated by purpose and they're motivated by contribution, community, and collaboration. You've got to be willing to set that up. They are inherently, they grow up with the, they've grown up with the net, so they're inherent, inherently entrepreneurial. How, so you've got to give expression to that inside of your company. Set up an entrepreneurial process, a way for them to play as in their own playground inside of your environment. They'll create enormous things for you. Google have done this, LinkedIn have done this, uh, Amazon have done this. So many of the top companies have done this. And it allows them to create enormous benefit to your company while feeling like they're expressing themselves. On top of that, you've got to drop some of the rules, kids. You've got to drop some of the rules. And what I mean by that is this idea that you have that people come to work and they arrive at 8 and they leave at 5, it's done. I'm sorry, it's done. Get over it, it's done. Millennials don't want to work like that. They're not going to be guided by those rules. They believe in work-life balance, but not in the way that boomers think about it. Work-life balance to them means they understand that work is part of life, so they've got to create a balance in there. Therefore, back when I started work, we were discouraged from being friends with the people we work with. Now your culture has to set up a relationship. I said, Make everybody safe to become friends, number one. Then on top of that, they need the autonomy to know that if I am going to go pick up my young kid at school or take my, ne- my young daughter to, to dance, I can do that. I'm not restricted by the 8 to 5 o'clock because maybe I feel like I work at my best at 11 p.m. when the kids are in bed. And many millennials are doing some outstanding work between 11 a.m. and 2 a.m. And if you're expecting them to show up at work at 8 o'clock in the morning, they will, but you won't get anything out of them. They'll be buggering around on Facebook. Just to, just to make the time go by. So lose the clock, measure productivity, not time. That's just the skirting of it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow, what great advice. Yeah, you see this every, every day more and more. I mean, yes, uh, as a baby boomer, it's so different. And now the culture, people, they, they hang out, they shoot pool, they play games, they do all this stuff. And they're working, they're even drinking, and they're working, and they come out with these incredible products. It's like, (laughs) how does this happen? Yet it works, it's it's so today now.
3: (laughs) Absolutely, and it works for one simple reason. Here's the thing, I mean, aside from anything else I just said, here's the thing I want everybody to get. Is it possible to be in business at this time, as you're listening to this, is it possible to be in business without innovating?
1: You want me to answer that? It's absolutely yeah. no way. No way. Right. You just can't. You have to be innovative, right? You, must. you have to be. To, to
3: stay okay. alive, you
1: have to be innovative.
3: Right. So we all get, doesn't matter what kind of business you're in. You know, I've got clients who run tax firms. And I say, how are you being innovative? Well, you know, we don't want to do that. We're about <laughs> compliance. And they go, well, then you're dead in the water. And they go, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. You've got to be innovative. You've got to, and innovation is not a tweak. It's something dramatic. Uber was an innovation to the taxi business. Mm -hmm. Who is the Uber in your industry? And if it is, if you don't know who it is, you're about to go down, so you better become one. So here's the thing, as we just said, okay? Yes, you've got to be innovative, but what you also have to understand is how do you create innovation? What is it that facilitates innovation? You've got to look at what actually facilitates innovation. And the answer to that is this safety. Safety facilitates innovation. Emotional safety. If when I try and do something, you jump down my throat and tell me that's not how we do things around here, then you've just told me it's not safe for me to innovate. I've got to follow the rules. And you are now going out of business. Wow. So true. (laughs)
2: emotional safety. That is powerful for giving people the room to innovate and the room to make mistakes and the room to try new things. Well, Daw, there's so many things that we've already discussed, but tell us, what are you currently working on now? What is it that's got your attention in this moment in time?
3: Um, Thank you for asking me. I sincerely appreciate that because the thing that I'm working on is exactly what I talked about before, which is um, ways to design people. Uh, structures and processes and assessments for people to discover what is the soul of their business, the soul of their leadership, and a ways to reconcile that that part of us, the the yearning. Because uh, what I would like to put forward to everybody is that you did not get into your business. I mean, I often say people hear people say, "Well, I kind of got into this business by accident," and I get that at a uh, transactional level. I get that at a, at a basic level. But what I would suggest to you is that a soulful level at a, in the world of quantum resonance, that you did not get into anything by accident, including that terrible marriage you had, uh, all that crappy best <laughs> friend that you once had. The, the, all those things are there for a reason. And so it, once you can recognize that, you can find what it is that brings reconciliation to you, what, what brings you to peace in doing what you're doing. You know, if you look at anything you're doing, you'll find this thread that runs through it. And when people look for purpose, it's the reason I'm trying to not use the word purpose on its own without saying sole purpose, because there's a lot of misunderstanding about it. People think their mission statement is their purpose. A Mission statement is not a purpose. It's something you came up with because the words were right. But you may have no emotional content or context to it. Um, people think that their passion is their purpose. Well, let me ask you a simple question. We're all over 30 here. I, I, I believe. Um, forgive me, I've not <laughs> seen <laughs> you more. Right? No, I'm de- oh, I'm
2: twice that almost. Okay, well, so right. yeah.
3: So so now the the thing becomes this: What were you passionate about when you were 18? I know what I was passionate about. I mean, aside from other things, it was the bumps on the front of a woman's chest. I was very passionate about those things. <laughs> <laughs> right? So we've had we have things that we were passionate about when we were 18 or when we were 10, I mean, when I, was, when I was 10 or 11 years old, I was deeply passionate about art. I mean, like insanely passionate. Um, I painted, I drew, I sculpted, did all those things. Everybody believed I would be an artist, including me. I had teachers who kept my scribbles because they were so committed to me being an artist. Today, I don't paint and I barely draw. So we're passionate about many things, but our passions are... Our transitory, they move through us. But within the thread of your passion is your purpose. So your passion and your purpose are separate things. Your passion is a vehicle for your purpose, but it is not your purpose. There is something deeper that is your sole purpose, this part of you that is trying to become more whole, to reconcile yourself with why you're here in the world, and that you've used business as a vehicle for that.
1: Wow, I love it. Beautiful. This is the Spotlight with Tony D'Urso and Morris Sweeney as co-host. Just ahead, we're going to ask Dov to give us his best advice for you. And Peter Mahit delivers a knockout TKO tip of the week. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. Are you the right fit? We're looking for a few good sponsors that are the right fit for our world-class brand, The Spotlight with Tony D'Urso. Does your brand fit in with an audience that likes our interviews with Hollywood stars, sports greats, business experts, game changers, best-selling authors, world-renowned VIPs? If so, please apply and let's see how we can promote your brand to the best audience to help you grow. Email me, tony at tonydurso.com. That's tony at tonydurso.com. And let's see how we can help each other. Thank you for letting us contribute to your success. Hi, just a quick note here about POWUR. I had a custom built home on a golf course valued in the seven digits. Yeah, that was nice. But believe it or not, the electric bill was nearly always over $1,000 a month. That was nuts. I wish I had solar power because today, rooftop solar benefits everyone. More solar means less need for power plants or power lines that you have to pay for. Energy gets cleaner, cheaper, and better for everyone. The future is now. Everyone is waking up to this, so you need to jump in now and benefit. The power is yours. Why not get in on the biggest thing in energy and earn additional income as well? The power is yours. Join us and hack your job with additional income at the same time. Create financial. Freedom for decades to come. Learn more at Tony slash POWUR. That's Tony D o.com slash POWUR.
2: Change starts here, change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel.
0: Listening to the Spotlight with Tony Dierso and a special VIP co host. We'd love to hear from you via email. Be sure to send questions and comments to Tony at TonyDURSO.com.
1: Now, back to the Spotlight. All right, we're back with Tony Dierso on the Spotlight with Maura Sweeney joining me as co host. Today's show is with renowned leadership speaker Dov Barron who is going to give us his best advice. And then Peter Mahit gives us a great TKO tip of the week. So make sure you hear that one. And Dove, you're you're on top of the world now as far as I'm concerned, and you can pretty much do anything you want. You've you've made great accomplishments in in many fields. We've talked about purpose. We've talked about motivation. But now I want to pull your essence out. I want to know what's your real... Purpose. What's your goal now? What gets you up every day? I want the real dove to like, let it all out.
3: Um, it is what I just said. Um, what, what gets me out of bed every morning is the, the opportunity to interact with people at the deepest possible level. I have, you know, and I, even that I have to sort of put a little asterisk next to and a proviso and say, you know, there are people who are very deep and very meaningful and, and I love them. Um, but they think that they take themselves way too serious. I know, because I used to be that guy. Uh, (laughs) They take themselves way too serious. Uh, Like get your head out of your rectum and recognize that it's important to have the great depth. But if you can't laugh at yourself, your depth is nothing more than egoic. So listen, I am like, I am so flawed it is insane. Uh, one, of my, one, of my, one of my memes says, I used to be enlightened, but I'm all right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is, so it's, it's that depth that is, you know, for me is vital. It's what gets me up in the morning. But it's also the ability to laugh with others and at myself and see my foibles and see where I've run into my own nonsense and step into that and ask for help. And those deep conversations with people where I can make them laugh. I mean, think about, we've gone to great depth here today in this show, but each, each of us has also had a good laugh about some things. And that's what makes life juicy. It's that depth, it's that joy, it's that laughter, and the generosity. Combine all that with compassion and fierce courage and fierce curiosity. You have a recipe for living a very joyous life.
1: I like that. The recipe for living a joyous life. That's awesome. Dove, you've given us such great insights and gems in this show. Thank you so much. You've given us advice. Every time you say something, I think this is his best. This is the best advice I've heard. So <laughs> it may be rhetoric again. I'm asking you questions. Go, Tony, I already answered that. But just in case the audience, if you could give it succinct, you know, what would you say? For the audience now, my audience is a combination of well, there's people, a lot of people with careers, there's entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. of course, small business owners, but there are also people in the media, people in the industry, corporate cool. corporate CEOs, and so forth. So it's a it's a it's an eclectic mixture. So what would you say would be the best advice for them? Of course, they should all read your book, fiercely loyal. <laughs> but what would you say to them, almost in in closing, to encapsulate it as your best?
3: Uh, The simplicity of it is that you are on a journey. And it is either a journey to get through the day to the next day, or it is a heroic journey. And if you can look at your life as a heroic journey, then you will remember that you are going to go through battles, you are going to celebrate successes. But you're never going to be able to do it on your own. And if you can remember that, then you will lift the person up below you to walk beside you. You are better than no one and worse than no one. And there will be days when you'll feel like you're so much better than everybody else because you've got so many glories. And there will be days where you'll feel like you are a beggar poo and everybody's doing better than you. But the truth of the matter is. We're all on this heroic journey. So stop and have compassion for yourself. And when you do that, you can bring yourself to that question, which is, why am I doing what I'm doing? Is it working? And by that, I don't mean the results in the bank account or even in the applause that you get. But is it working? Do I feel like I'm a little more whole in each moment? And when you do that, that will return you to that soulful part of you. Come at your life from curiosity, courage, and compassion.
1: I love that. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. That is very, very deep. And I do hope the spotlight audience replays this back. That was excellent. Thanks so much, Dove.
3: My um, Dov. Dov. I'm sorry. It's my, it's my pleasure. It's and, It's my and, Chicagoan. <laughs> Uh, Listen, I've got friends I've had for 20 years, Jewish friends, who the name Dov is quite a common name. In Israel, it's about as common as John would be here. I've got friends I've known for 20 years who are Jewish who still can't say my name. So, you know, the only people who can say my name right are people who don't speak English as a first language. They got my name right. Although, some of those have got it wrong. When we were in Thailand on holiday, we got the bill. For the thing I had to quickly tell you, we got the bill, and my wife almost wet herself laughing. Because my credit card says D-R, so Dr. D-O-V, Baron, right? And, and for whatever reason, the printout was Dry <laughs> oh, My no. name oh, with my stop, stop. wife every now and then is now Dry <laughs> So oh, I'm oh, never sh- upset about why people say my name anymore. I'm past that. <laughs> That's wonderful.
1: Wow. What a... Thank you for sharing that. Very funny. Oh, so, thank funny. you for having me and Dryden on, on the show. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go.
2: Oh, Dove, Dove, Dov, see what you're doing <laughs> now to me, Tony. Oh. Dove, please share with all of us how we can find you, reach you, connect with you, and learn more about you once this show is over.
3: Thank you for asking. I sincerely appreciate that. It's very generous. And obviously the simple way to find me, not maybe not obviously, is you can Google D O V B A R O N. There's literally pages and pages. I write for, I think, 14 outlets, including entrepreneur magazine and LinkedIn and a bunch of others. Uh, we have a podcast that's on iTunes called Dov Baron's leadership and loyalty tips. It's the number one show for fortune 500 globally. Um, so that's that. You can find my YouTube channel which is Dove Baron Full Monty Leadership. On Facebook it's Dove Baron Leadership. Uh, my name on LinkedIn Dove Baron. But you know, the easiest way is my main website is fullmontyleadership.com. And listen, I'm going to do something that I get a lot of crap for and people tell me I'm crazy to do it, but I'm going to do it and that is this. I'm going to give you my private email. My private email is dov at dovbaron.com com, Dov at DovBaron.com. Why am I doing that? I'm going to tell you exactly why I'm doing that. Because Tony and Maura have put together this show. They take the time, the energy, the effort. And I have a podcast. I know the work that goes into it. They take the time, the energy, the effort to bring you fabulous guests uh, who are clearly way better than I am. People who have more has never even known of me. So they bring in these amazing guests who, who do amazing things and share wonderful knowledge with you. And they deserve to know what you got out of the show and what you're going to do with it. That's why you need to go to iTunes and rate and review and subscribe to the show. It's important. That feedback is vital to them. It lets people know about it. But I'm giving you my email because I want to know, what did you get out of this show? What are you going to do with it? And is there, based on what we've talked about, is there some way that I can be of service to you? Are you looking maybe potentially to hire me to come into your company, to have me work with your organization uh, as a consultant or to work with you privately one-on-one? I do all of those things. If you want to find out more about me, go to FullMontyLeadership.com or you can simply write to me, but please let them know. How much you got out of the show. It's important. Please honor them. Be generous. Be gracious. Live your life that way. Uh,
1: thank you so much for that, Dove. Thank you. This is very, very nice and kind of you. And yes, we would love to know how how people like us. And that is just so cool. I just want to thank you again so much, Dove, for such a, an insightful interview. Knee Ne plus Ultraman. We just covered so much cool stuff. Love chatting with you. And, you know, I really look forward to doing it again. Maybe when you have another book out or any any cool updates, please reach out to me. I'd love to have you back on again.
3: Thank you. That's very kind, Tony. Thank you, Maura. I appreciate you having me on.
2: Thank you, Dawes.
1: And before we go, this week, uh, we've got a TKO tip of the week. And I'd like to make a little quick uh, cameo presentation on that. This week's TKO tip is presented by Peter Mahit. He's the co-author of Killer Business Plan, and he serves as a professional consultant to multinational firms such as Panasonic, DuPont, Boeing, and government agencies. Here we go with the audio.
4: Hello, Spotlight audience. My name is Peter Beat of Custom Business Planning and Solutions and the co-author of Killer Business Plan, and today I'm going to talk about The Rule of Rocks. I had the opportunity to work with a really great controller who taught me about how to avoid problems with auditors. And he described them as people that are turning over rocks to see what's underneath them. And if they turn over a rock and they see a problem, then they'll turn over another couple of rocks and if they see problems under them, then they'll keep turning over rocks until they don't see any more problems. But how does that really apply to you as an entrepreneur or somebody interested in getting in business? If you're looking for investment or you're working with bankers, they're going to do the same process. They're going to turn over rocks. The difference is, they'll turn over one rock, and if they find something, they might turn over a couple more rocks. But if they get to like the third pass of rocks, they're just going to stop. And they're going to look for people who are a little bit better organized than you are. And the way that you get organized for that is planning. The reason to write a business plan is to organize how you want their due diligence to go, so that they turn over rocks and they find the answers they're expected to find the first time. Once again, this is Peter Miet. Thanks for listening to The Spotlight with Tony D'Urso. That was great. Very cool
1: point Peter brings up about looking under rocks. I understand that type of scrutiny all too well. and mm. I, And I completely agree. Much better to get a good business plan done. And Peter, by the way, is one of the best in his business. More on him can be found in today's show notes. And to our spotlight audience, I do hope you enjoy our TKO tips of the week and that they help you with your career and or business. Let me know if you like these or if there's anything else you would like spotlighted, and I would be happy to oblige. And again, we have such a great, great interview. I cannot give enough superlatives. We interviewed and met with renowned leadership speaker Dove Barron. Did I say it right this time? (laughs) I'm sorry.
2: Don't answer, Dov. Dov. Oh, I think like
1: you're Homer Simpson. No, what, Dov.
2: what Dov doesn't know is before we got on the phone, there was this major conversation, and my husband, too, thought your name was Dove. So it was just bound to happen. Of course.
1: <laughs> but you know one thing for sure? When we're done with this interview, people will know your name. Oh, <laughs> they won't. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Well, once again, Mr. Barron, safe back there there you go thank you thank you thank you and Maura you're such a great co-host such a pleasure to have you with us the airwaves are spreading your happiness vibes everywhere I just love it
2: and I've so enjoyed being here thank you for allowing me to sit in and what a joy it has been getting to know Dov it was totally totally awesome interview it
1: was great thank you all again very much and to our spotlight audience Thanks again. It's an honor to have you listen to our conversation. Well, all right now, keep your focus on success and we'll see you next on The Spotlight. We hope you've
0: enjoyed this week's edition of The Spotlight with Tony D'Urso and his special VIP co-host. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Now, enjoy the weekend.